0: It's very powerful, very powerful, and, and it's well done. It uh, covers a broad range of problems that we have today in the world. I think that it's something that everybody needs to
1: see. I was shocked by CPS being involved, and I was shocked by the secrecy, of, uh, you know, keeping the secrets from the parents of what the, the children are being told and what they're
0: being taught and not being made aware of it and secretly indoctrinating these kids uh, is absolutely shocking, it's absolutely horrible and it needs to stop.
1: I was shocked. A lot of different things are pulling together. I don't think the, the expanse of how bad it is, people don't know about. All of the different elements of what's happening in the world today, somehow you pulled it to within two
0: hours and 15 minutes. What stood out against, uh, to me, is um, I've, I've been watching uh, Klaus, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset. I see that thing coming like crazy, but I didn't realize the association with dysphoria. And it's important to see that this thing has been in inculcated into the school system. And that it is now in place. It's not coming, it's in place.
1: You think, oh, that can't be going on. And And the more I watched it, I thought, this is exactly what's going on.
0: Get your tickets at dysphoriamovie.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating documentary films about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective and pursuing truth above all else. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, author, director, speaker, Mark Archer. And i master Yoda. You seek Yoda. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. Yay, so I am excited this week. It's the last week introducing everyone to the Dysphoria cast.
1: Excited you are.
0: <laughs> I am very excited. <laughs> well, it's it's fun to be able to introduce everybody and be through. It almost feels like the completion to another to another segment, another an, I don't want to say another movie. Oh my goodness, movies are. <laughs> but but it it feels like you know you can finally turn the page.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna start a new series next week.
0: Yes, so that's so, gonna be fun.
1: Stay tuned for that one. <laughs> it might
0: to... be some better, <clears throat> lighter things. I don't know.
1: You know, I was I I th- was thinking about this uh, this morning, and I was just thinking how because this stuff is heavy yeah it is it's hard to listen to this stuff we understand it's hard to listen to this stuff over and over and over again it's just depressing yeah especially with what's going on in the world today
0: and what hope do you have right Mm -hmm. right oh there is hope yeah
1: and so that's kind of where we're going with our next series next week we're going to talk about What's happening in the world and what our hope is as believers. Mm -hmm. And let's just take a break from dwelling on (laughs) transgenderism and all that for a while. Um, I think we all understand what's going on.
0: You have been thoroughly educated on this podcast. (laughs) Yes.
1: So, yeah, so we're going to, you know, switch gears a little. It's not to say that we're not, you know, I mean, obviously we still have dysphoria Uh that is. Making its way out. It's got its first foray into public life. Well, it had its premiere. The Red
0: Carpet premiere was its first public right. performance. Right. But it is going to be screening here in Indiana, mm-hmm. where we are, uh, in Napanee, mm-hmm. November 11th, starting at 6 p.m.
1: That's right. You should come out.
0: Yeah. Get your tickets at dysphoriamovie.com.
1: Yeah. They're, they're, uh, uh, they're you know regular price tickets. Yes, it's not a red carpet event. You nope. don't have to dress up. It's just a regular movie. Yeah, coming kind of regular movie. It's an extraordinary
0: film. <laughs> <clears throat> Lots of great reviews that have come in. Yeah, testimonials.
1: Um, you know, you know we we do get a lot of questions now that the film has had its premiere. People ask us, "What's taking so long? Right? When
0: can right. I see it? See, you know, I'll just let me just remind everybody." Um, this ministry is uh, made up by two people and the lord one two <laughs> <laughs> and so yes it is going to take longer than a big studio production to right. get released into the world
1: right so what you gotta understand is for us to keep doing these films we have to be able to monetize them
0: right? we have but to get support I is, mean this is the
1: point of them is
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's not just because it's a nonprofit doesn't mean that you don't need to generate revenue to right. to keep making these films. I, I, oh,
0: and we have more stuff. I, can't, I I can't talk about much of it. <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry, but very excited for 2024 coming yes, up.
1: We have <laughs> we have exciting new content coming. <laughs> but you know, in the meantime, in the so the in in the world of independent film. Um, when you get a film done, <clears throat> it's like any other product. You need somebody to help you move it to market. Yeah. And so a lot of well-meaning people come up with suggestions like, well, you know, you can, because they, because they, all they hear is that you get suppressed or you get canceled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, well you can put it on rumble or, oh, you can put it on brighty on.
0: Don't forget about YouTube. That's always my you, favorite. Yeah.
1: YouTube or Bitshoot or. Uh-huh. Um, and here's what you got to understand is that those are those are free platforms.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then I, you know, someone will say, oh, but, you know, you can make it uh, ad supported. Right? Oh,
0: my word. Can you even imagine? No, you can't do that with a film like this for you.
1: Well, you can't for a couple reasons. Number one, YouTube alone, <coughs> in order to even have that option, you have to have a channel with at least 10,000 subscribers already in
0: place. And And let me just say. It is not because we don't want to be on social media and we don't want to be on those other platforms. <clears throat> we can only do the bare minimum mm-hmm. because again, we are two people yeah. and we focus on what we do really well, and that's creating the content yeah it is it is not sitting on social media all day long to fight with the keyboard warriors <laughs> no, no, i
1: do I, really i don't I don't have any interest in doing that i I want to create the content. Yeah. And I want to do the research mm-hmm. to create the content. And that means I'm not on Facebook.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that means
1: I'm just not I, I, I go on those platforms.
0: So we apologize. I mean, the only the the consistent platform that we are on is right here on our podcast yeah. across, you know, Google, SoundCloud, um, what are the other iHeartRadio, Spotify.
1: Are we on we're not on Pandora?
0: Uh, no, it's not
1: Spotify though. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, when you, when you get a film done, it's, uh, so to get into, if you want to do in-person screenings, well then you need a venue Mm -hmm. and this is the, you know, just the reality of it. You can good, fast, cheap pick two. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So yes, you can rent theaters. That's thousands of dollars per screening to rent. Theater. So, to do that, um, wait a
0: minute. You're saying that we don't have we don't have a million dollars to spend.
1: I do not. Not. (laughs) I. I. I misplaced it.
0: I. It was in my. That's the assumption. Let me tell you. I cannot. I had. I
1: had it in my tuxedo, (laughs) and I left my tuxedo jacket in the Rolls Royce. Uh huh. And it got repossessed. Yes. No
0: pumpkin spice latte. That's
1: just kind of where we're at.
0: <laughs> That's where we're at. So, but we are excited to introduce you to Bernadette Broyles yes. today. Who this is our last cast member that we we will be sharing. So, Bernadette is a nationally recognized advocate for children's rights and family values. She graduated with honors from Yale University with a Bachelor of Science degree in biology. And received her law degree from Harvard Law School. She is president, general counsel, and founder of Child and Parental Rights Campaign, where she fights tirelessly for the best interests of children in court and advocates for student privacy, parental rights, and Title IX protections in public schools. And we have talked
1: extensively
0: about Title IX. Because this is a big, key component to how the transgenderism is going to get quote, unquote, legalized Mm -hmm. on the books if we don't, you know, if people don't stop and raise their voices about it.
1: Okay. With that, let's introduce you to Bernadette.
2: Well, hi, Amber. I'm, as you know, I'm Bernadette Broyles, and I'm the founder and president and general counsel of a new organization called the Child and Parental Rights Campaign. We were formed about three years ago when we were discovering a phenomena that's affecting children and where children all over the country are beginning to identify as something other than their biological sex. And this had, has tremendous implications for their well-being as well as for parental rights. So Child and Parental Rights Campaign was founded to stand with parents to assert their parental rights in the, in the court system and in, uh, in schools, uh, with child protective services, and, um, and as well as to help parents to protect their own children and their child's well-being. So, Amber, I think I came at this from because of my background. I wasn't always a lawyer. I started out as a scientist. So I graduated from Yale University with a biology degree, of all things, and spent the first several years of my life doing basic research. And uh, as a garden at litem, years later in court representing the best interests of children, I discovered this um, gender discordance in children and began to read everything I got my, could get my hands on after about four or five years of reading, I, I realized that this is not a naturally occurring phenomenon. There's no biological etiology for this. It appears to be a socially born contagion. And in particular, it is affecting girls disproportionate, disproportionately. So what we're seeing on a national basis is our educators, counselors, librarians, promoting what is essentially a pseudo-scientific Ideology to children in school, and we're seeing it all around the country. We're seeing almost identical guidance um, being given to to teachers and educators um, to withhold from parents basic information about their child. When their child begins to exhibit signs of confusion with the biological sex or a desire to be seen as if they were the opposite sex, that educators are being told or instructed to withhold that information from parents and in many cases even to purposely deceive parents mm-hmm. so that parents wouldn't know this is going on at school. And so they begin a process of socially transitioning the child at school with things like um, children coming to school and changing their appearance when they, once they arrive, children uh, demanding to be um, use a different name, the name of the of opposite sex, or pronouns of the opposite sex. And so they're being treated at school as if, if it's a young girl, as if they actually were a boy. And this is completely behind the parent's back. It's, a, it's remarkable to us that we see written guidance or de facto verbal guidance that is almost identical as far away as Florida, from Massachusetts to Oregon to California, to Kansas, in schools all over the country, which tells you that there's a common modus operandi. There's a common um, ideology that's at work in these situations. So we have ch- we have cases in Massachusetts. We have a case in Massachusetts. We have cases in Florida, and we have um, allies, other attorneys that we know have been have brought cases in various parts of the country, all with the same common thread of schools deliberately undermining the authority of parents to be able to make fundamental mental health decisions about the, about the, the treatment of their child and the, and the basic upbringing of their child in school, where teachers and educators in those circumstances are taking the position that somehow they know better than parents what is best for their children. So who has, it's interesting, so let's get into rights of parents and child rights. What's the law? Okay, so what, we, what the law is, is already established under Supreme Court precedent it goes back almost 100 years and has been reaffirmed throughout the decades. Parents have a fundamental constitutional right to direct the upbringing, the education, the religious training, the medical care, and mental health treatment of their child. In most states constitutions, state constitutions also reaffirm that fundamental right for parents as well. And then in in a number of states, they also have statutes that are basically called Parents' Bill of Rights, as in Florida, that make it unmistakably clear that codify the right of parents to direct the upbringing and care and treatment and education of their child. That's what the law is. What we're seeing is a distortion of the law that activists have injected into into many schools that assert a non-existent right on behalf of children to have a privacy right against their own parents. Now, anyone who knows, understands the law well, knows that yes, children do have a privacy right, but it is held by their parents as fiduciaries against the rest of the world, not against the parents, but by the parents to protect their child. So it is a distortion of the law. And all I can imagine is that activists are hoping to somehow try to change the law, but that's not what the law is.
0: So when we talk about, we see now more schools trying to teach kids consent (laughs) at young, at younger and younger ages. Can you talk to the dangers in doing this and how, how legal, where, where is consent?
2: Not until you're 18, is that correct? When it comes to FERPA, the federal law that protects children's privacy rights, it is clear that children do have a privacy right and they have the ability to protect their records from outside parties. But that is that right is held by parents to determine who gets access to a child's educational records and what changes can be made to a child's educational records until that child turns 18 or is emancipated. What activists are trying to do is they're trying to say that no, 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 a child has this right to consent to the changing of the records or access to the records without input from their parents or without any direction from, the, from their parents. And again, that is a distortion of the law. So when we talk about rights, we, we, we need to understand parents have the right to make the fundamental decisions for their children because parents have, have been appropriately identified as the adults in a child's world who is best equipped to make decisions in the best interests of a child, okay? but children have rights as well. It's not been necessarily codified anywhere, but I think that all can understand that children have basic human rights, that, the, that gender activists are violating every single day. Children have the right to know the truth about human biology and science and not to receive a distorted version, ideological version of, of science. Children have the right to grow up in their bodies healthily according to their genetic instructions, to, to arrive at adulthood with the ability to make all the decisions that are needed for a, for, a, for a healthy life, and to have all their physiological capabilities in place, like the ability to have children of their own. Children have a right to, to not be experimented upon, to be protected against unproven, experimental, ideologically-driven tri- treatments. Children have the right to have natural guardians that are empowered to make the best decisions for them or decisions in their best interests and not to have their natural guardians usurped in some way. Because that's what people that want to use children, they, they groom them to a place where they now have influence over their child and they've removed the authority of their parents. That's a grooming process that we know from other areas people will will do that don't have a child's best interest at at, at, at stake. Mm-hmm. So children have a right to have all their healthy body parts in place once they reach adulthood. Children have a right to receive effective treatment when they are when they are confused about their body or confused about their sex. Children have a right to receive effective treatment that will help enable them to explore the causes of their distressed feelings and will effectively treat and and heal those causes as opposed to experimental treatments. So these are some of the rights that children have that are being trampled upon by this ideology. Children have a right, by the way, to know the truth about what these treatments do. They're often sold this, this falsehood that you may have been born in a wrong body if you feel some discomfort with your body, with your sex. What woman did not feel discomfort with her body, with her sex, particularly when she entered puberty and had to deal with, you know, with getting your period each month? So to pathologize the almost inevitable discomfort that, that adolescents feel as they go through that pubertal development, it is, is, is really robbing the child thoughts uh I love
0: I love Bernadette's perspective especially since she has a a, her her first degree was in biology she was a researcher she has done all of this work and now to be in the law aspect of it and know what the laws are in order to advocate for parental rights Mm -hmm. and children I mean that's why her her piece of the film was so crucial
1: I like how she, um, how she says that children have the right to know the truth,
0: uh huh, and to have their healthy body parts intact as they yeah. enter adulthood,
1: and they have the Ugh. right to not be experimented on, yes. But you know, going back to that, you know, they have the right to know the truth, and you know, you, you think about it, that's really what Satan and his minions. That's that is why. They hate free speech.
0: Train a child up in the way he should go, and when he is old, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, yeah, Proverbs they, twenty-two six.
1: Yeah, they cannot tolerate free speech. A mm-hmm. the the world tyrant mentality, which is growing, it's growing. Um, they can't, and even in our own federal government, they they mm-hmm. cannot tolerate free speech. Why? Because they don't want you to know the truth. Exactly. That's why we chose the 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 tagline for dysphoria the truth will set you free Mm -hmm. because even if you're not uh, directly impacted by the transgender agenda right now maybe you don't have a child who's impacted by this but i can guarantee you that they are being influenced truth is in the crosshairs and even if you don't Mm -hmm. have children Mm -hmm. you are being you are being pushed into accepting a falsehood Mm -hmm. it's just it's just lies upon lies upon lies so the it's fascinating the way that she says that that they have a right to know the truth Mm -hmm. and i would i would assert that if your kids are in public schools
0: they don't even know what the truth is. they're not being taught the truth Mm -mm. and i'm
1: not just talking about this i'm talking about this has been this is generations that have been taught that we evolved from pond scum
0: well going back that's a lie it is a lie evolution it's a lie um going back to you know working on the mind polluters and interviewing alex newman who alex newman also is in dysphoria but you know his book that we read crimes of the educators talking about the history of dumbing down america yeah I'm I'm going to leave a link to it in the show notes. Yep. Also, I'm also going to leave a link to um, the FERPA Act that Bernadette just mentioned and also all of the Supreme Court cases of parental rights right. uh, in America. So there, there are many. We have talked about them before, but I'm going to leave links for you guys in the show notes if you want to go do your own research on that.
1: Right. And so and speaking of not to give too much away, but speaking of uh, future content, mm-hmm. we are Going to empower you with even more information on the uh, roots of all of yes. this. Speaking <laughs> of our conversations with Alex Newman, mm-hmm. there's more coming.
0: No, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah.
1: <clears throat> so, um, yeah, and and back to they have our children have a right to not be experimented on. Yes. Um, can we say uh, COVID lockdowns and masks? That yeah, was a huge one. social experiment. Mm-hmm. We have seen it. We've seen it personally, the the adverse effect on the mental health of our children and what it has done to an entire generation, um, teaching them to be subservient, not to question authorities. And in the end, it's all turned out to be, it, we knew, most a of us lie. knew, most of us knew all the way through it that this was all a lie. But of course, now it's the evidence is overwhelming. The whole thing was fabricated. The whole thing was just one giant experiment by Satan and his minions to try to dumb down a generation and and force them to be compliant. So anyway, all right, back to Vernadette here. Here's uh, our next section with Bernadette Broyles.
0: You're seeing this all across the nation. How is this playing out? What does this look like in
2: real time for parents who are experiencing this and battling with the schools? Sure. So let's take, for instance, the Little John case and some of the other cases that we have. In that situation, um, these parents had a a young lady, 11-year-old little girl, who was beginning to experience gender confusion. And the parents, the mom, um, let the teacher know that, that this was going on but in no way authorized them to socially transition their child. The, unbeknownst to the parents, the school had a guidance document in place that instructed teachers and administrators to not tell parents when a child expresses gender confusion. In fact, one of the, one of the Q&A um, was, was rather remarkable. The question is, a child begins to exhibit LGBTQ characteristics or to express a different gender at school. Should parents be told about this? The answer was no. Outing children to parents of LGBTQ children can place the child at high risk of harm. So. Essentially, their guidance is presuming that parents are a harm to their child, that children need to be protected from their parents rather than by their parents. So in keeping with that guidance, the school administration began to, they met with this child privately without informing the parents. There were several adults in this room, and they, they created and prepared a written gender support plan for this child. So this 11 year old is in a room with several adults alone being asked questions like, which bathroom would you like to use? With whom would you like to room overnight in school trips, field trips? So the possibility of an 11 year old rooming with 11, 12 year old boys overnight privately, somehow they think this is a good idea without parents knowing about this, they asked, "Would?" you know, pronouns you want to use, etc. But But then they ask this insidious question. Do your parents know and do you want them to know? What name and pronouns should we use when your parents are in school? What name and pronouns do you want to use when they're not here? So essentially it's putting in place, it is plotting with the child how to deceive their own parents. Completely unacceptable. So, we see this in the Little John case, where we have another case in Florida, the Perez family, which is honestly actually worse, because in that situation, the 12-year-old little girl had again began to experience gender confusion. We think it may have been linked to some bullying she was experiencing at the school. And rather than bringing the parents into the situation, the kind the guidance counselor began to meet privacy, privately with this child for weeks on end once a week and began to affirm her discordant gender identity without telling the parents. How the parents find out is because the child had attempted suicide at school. And now the parents are showing up to find to encounter the police and the ambulance there to take their child away to a mental health facility without even even asking their consent. So this is one of the more egregious examples of what can happen when school officials who are not authorized or qualified to be making these kinds of decisions for children or to be promoting what is essentially a mental health treatment modality at school without the parent consent, knowledge, or, or involvement. We have cases now in Massachusetts where now two children, both the son and the daughter, 12 and 11 years old, were being affirmed at school by the guidance counselor. And in that situation, the parents had informed the school, we understand what our children are going through. We have put in place mental health counselors and instructed the school to discontinue any more conversation with their children about this issue. The school took the the the, the tack or t- took the position that you know we we as educators we we understand this issue better than perhaps you do as parents and we're 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 going to continue to affirm this one way or the other and so they continued and the counselor continued to meet with the with the with the daughter and ask questions of this daughter that co- would have caused her to question her parents' decision-making, whether her parents were actually making the right decision for her, whether the counsel that the the parents had chosen for the child is adequate, and whether the parents are um, actually able to keep their child safe. So these are the, the kind of patterns that we're seeing, deliberately inserting themselves, educators inserting themselves between the child and the parent. Now, another way in which we're seeing this agenda playing out is weaponizing child protective services. I want to assert to parents watching this, do not develop this false sense of security just because your child doesn't go to your public school. Even if your child is homeschooled or goes to a private school, child protective protective services can pursue you and your child anywhere. They will come to your home if they receive a report. So we have a case in which we're strongly considered taking it, in which it was a homeschooled parent, homeschooled parents and child, that in which the child began to claim suicidality. And when the parents took their child for help in a mental health facility, the mental health facility called Child Protective Services because the, the parents, which happened to be Christians, were seeking to Affirm the child's biological sex. The parents were determined to remain a, an anchor of reality to their child. And because the mental health facility um, was not in agreement with the parents, they called Child Protective Services. Is it true that
0: basically you resign your rights when your child goes to
2: school, that the school then has the authority over the child? No, that is not the case at all. And there's a, there's a variety of case law, but essentially, no. When you bring your child to the school, you, all of your parental rights are maintained. You do not surrender your parental rights at the school door. And that's actual language that was not adopted by the courts. Um, and I believe that, that that's part of the problem. So somehow we have been like frogs in the water as the the temperature is being turned up. I believe that children are experiencing an identity crisis because parents have been experiencing an identity crisis. We have somehow began to cede to others, whether it's your daycare or whether it's your nanny, whether it's some other individual, or whether it's the the psychiatrist or the psychologist, we have begun to cede this bundle of parental rights that are ours to other persons. We have been outsourcing our parenting for so long that we didn't begin to realize that other, others are now usurping our rights. So one of the first things we talk about, what can parents do? The first things that parents need to do is to reacquire their identity as parents. And when you're dealing, say, with a public school, To communicate with the parent, with the public schools, the knowledge of your parental authority. And so, what I typically say to parents is number one, be present at school and know what's going on at school. Know what clubs are active at school. If there is a GLESSEN or a GSA, a Gay Straight Alliance, or a Gender Sexualities Alliance club at the school, fine they have the the constitutional right, like any other to be there, but you determine for your child whether what clubs your child is gonna be allowed to be involved in. And so, and then communicate your parental instruction and decision to that school in writing. Prepare a letter that makes it clear what your child is permitted to be involved in and what they're not permitted to be involved in. To make it clear what instruction would be contrary to the values of your family. And if you have religious values, then document those. If you have faith-based values, document those because all of that then creates a record. And that if your child is gonna be exposed to sexual concepts or gender concepts that violate basic science and violates your belief system with another belief system that they are not allowed to participate in those things. They need to be opted out. You need, I need to be informed beforehand, and I will opt my child out of that instruction. And if necessary, and if you get, and, and, and you know, CC a wide variety of people. If you get pushback on that, CC an attorney. Chances are they'll go p- pick on some other child and some other parents because you made it clear that you're asserting your parental rights. And then another thing that you can do is, there's safety in numbers. Almost inevitably, if you feel this way, if you have concerns about the instruction, the curriculum you've discovered at your school, or about the kind of clubs that have come to your school, um, almost inevitably other parents will feel the same way as you do. Do not allow yourself to be isolated. This is what batterers do. They isolate their victim and cause them to believe that they are disempowered. Don't believe that lie. Recognize that you are your child's best and last hope for being able to grow up healthy. You need to surround them. Here's the bottom line message. Whoever wants our children most will have them. If we as parents do not want them more, then the activists, the sociologists, the, unethical medical profession that is prevailing upon them and and enriching themselves unjustly upon them, then they will have them. We need to want them more. And so we can't allow ourselves to be intimidated by the idea that we'll be labeled in some way or it's canceled in some way. Have courage, stand up. And if you believe you're feeling this way about your, your, your school situation know that others are as well reach out to them and and come together in numbers to impact what is happening at your school at your school board level because once it goes beyond the school board then it gets very difficult to impact it to, and to control
1: the other case that she referenced there in Florida the Perez case where yes,
0: I, I'm actually leaving a link to it so that people can look it up but that's
1: absolutely heartbreaking and mm-hmm. we we there was you know you only have so much time when you make a film so that Story we looked at in depth didn't have time to flesh that out, um, but it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know. They literally didn't know that that anything was going on at school at, uh, at all Yeah, until their child tried to commit suicide at school.
0: She was 12 at the time. I mean, just think about that.
1: Mm-hmm. You want to talk about deceived.
0: Mm hmm. And, get, and the phone call that you get.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, by the way. Oh, by- I mean, we've been we've been indoctrinating your child. Yeah. You know, but the, the school claims not our fault.
1: Yeah. It it is I I think we're past the notion of, you know, well, our school isn't like public schools are they're all infected with this. Whether or not the at some level, yes, yeah. Whether or not whether or not your teacher is or is not there, the your teacher is only part of it. It's the system that's been corrupted. It's been infiltrated. It's it's the the system on top of the system that controls the money that's completely pushing on with this. So, um. They're fighting a losing battle, unfortunately. The The public schools, or as they should be called, the government indoctrination centers. Um, you got to get your kids out of there. That's mm-hmm. just all that there is to it. And I, Unfortunately, there's a lot of these grassroots organizations that this is where we differ with them. Because there's some of them that still think that the government schools can be saved. Anyway, so let's go back now to last section here with Bernadette.
2: It goes back... To what I was talking about in terms of outsourcing the raising of our children. The question of, of who's our child's expert or who is the best expert with regards to our child's well being. My answer to that is you, as parents, you are the best subject matter expert on the topic of your child. All these other people may have some general, generic understanding of. Childhood development or mental health or child's childhood diseases but when it comes to how knowledge applies to your child you alone know your child's bend there's a scripture that says raise up a child in the way that they should go or a proverb as some would say and when they are old they shall not depart the the actual original hebrew of that is raise up a child in accordance with their natural Bend. You alone were the person that gave that child life, that knew that child in the womb. Or if you are if an adopted parent that gave that child a home to shelter them. You alone are the ones that are, are, are up at night. You are the ones that study them. You're the one whose heart is connected to them. You're the ones that school sent their child home to when there's a pandemic. When there's an emergency in larger society or some sort of adverse situation, they didn't keep the child. They didn't, they didn't take the child into school. They send the child home to you, to the parent. So don't tell me how you know my child better when you're not, you're not willing to be the one who's up with them at night. You're not the willing to be the one that risks yourself and risks your health to take care of them or that will be there when the, when the human fallout happens five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, and their heart is broken because they can't have a child, you're not gonna be there, I will be. You as the parent will be. You are the subject matter expert and don't let anyone dislodge you from that role and that authority. Now, when it comes to talking to the church or to faith-based communities, because of course, we at Child and Parental Rights Campaign, we work with all faiths and we honor the faith of parents because it's so important, I can answer you like this. It it really is coming down. What this agenda is attacking most of all is truth. Truth is what is on the table here. And why is that so important? Because when you raise a child based when you, when you raise a child to build their life based on an untruth, it's like the same thing as building a skyscraper based upon faulty math. If you believe with all your heart, passionately, deeply, that two plus two equals five, and you use that math as, as part of your engineering to build your skyscraper, when you build a skyscraper, it will fall. When the wind come, the weight of the skyscraper, it will fall and it'll kill everyone within it. And that's the same thing here. If you, build, if you teach a child something fundamentally untrue, that they could be born in the wrong body, what even does that mean? And they build their life, they design their bodies around that, inevitably it will destroy their life. It will undermine their mental, their physical, their emotional, their, their health. And so, why does this matter then to the faith community? Isn't faith, are isn't it ultimately seeking truth? Isn't it to teach people how to build their lives on truth? And so, what leaders in the faith community need to understand is that when you stand by and do nothing, then you are essentially saying, I'm okay with the human carnage and the human suffering that is coming from this transgender, gender ideological agenda, because this agenda is fundamentally attacking and eroding truth. So if you're okay with the idea of the children in your church, in your parish, in your synagogue, building their lives on untruth, and if you're okay with the human carnage that that's gonna cause and the suffering well, then you have to live with yourself. But I would propose to you that it is that, that part of what faith communities do is that they stand up for the poor, they stand up for the weak, they speak for the voiceless because they care, because they love. And, when you, and so if you love children, didn't Jesus say, let the children come into me for such is the kingdom of God? If you have any regard for children and for families, then you must, you're compelled to speak out against this agenda, unless you allow yourself to be complicit with their destruction.
1: She makes such a good point.
2: It's why we do what we do. Yeah. (laughs) We are compelled
0: to speak up.
1: Yeah. Speaking up, defending those who can't defend themselves, that would be the children. Um, and that it is, if you can confuse children about their gender, then everything else is up for grabs. Mm -hmm. Because if by, if you can't even trust the reality that you see in the mirror, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you're born in the wrong body. This is
0: this well, is, and listen, and, and it goes back, it's it's not just the gender ideology. You have to stop and look at evolution and mm-hmm. what is being taught predominantly across well, America.
1: Yeah, it goes right along with evolution because <laughs> if you...
0: Everything is up for grabs, so that is what I was yeah, getting to, to. To
1: believe in evolution, mm-hmm. fundamentally you have to... Um, You have to embrace uh, death as part of, you know, because what is it really? Evolution is survival of the fittest. So Mm -hmm. you fundamentally are taught that that life advances by killing off the undesirables. So, gee, does that sound familiar? I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds like... Uh, every social movement in the world today it sounds like the abortion because movement because
0: life does not have intrinsic value.
1: Right. That's and that's the problem. Mhm. Because life was not uniquely created. Right. Life is just a byproduct of random chance mm-hmm. and so the so it comes right out of that
0: godless <laughs> <Some>, worldview. <laughs> I always I always love this. Something plus not nothing equals everything. Right.
1: That's evolution. Something plus nothing equals everything. Uh So if you can can get this. So what you're going to see is, uh, as we've said before, you're going to see very soon, and we're already seeing it, the most violent generation. Mm -hmm. Because at some point you wake up to realizing that you've been lied to. Mm -hmm. Then you've got all the... All those that wake up to the fact that they've been lied to, and they want to detransition, and seeing that happen. Yeah, seeing that happen. There's there are permanent things that you can't fix now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's whole generation that they're not going to be able to have children. Uh, you
0: know, but it is that generation, especially the ones who do wake up, who will be. The bearers of truth. Oh, yeah. Who will be the strongest soldiers for the Lord.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, look at our life stories. Mm -hmm. You know, we've both been, uh, dare I say, on the wrong side of things.
0: Hey, I have lived and experienced all that the world has to offer. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing compared to the life in Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And me too, you know, I knew the truth. I ran away from the truth. I rejected it Mm -hmm. and I bore the consequences of that. I was, I was a prodigal and coming back, uh, it, it just, because now I, there's nothing going to shake me from what I know is the truth. Mm -hmm. Same for you. You know what the world has to offer.
0: And um, and for anybody who's listening and you're and you have children who may be estranged going through a hard time, just know that there is hope. There is hope. There is hope in Christ. There all is not lost.
1: Mhm. We, <laughs> we should link to our, our uh, interview with Heidi. Uh
0: John. I okay. I will I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, if you're curious and you haven't heard our stories, we we've told it several times uh, but I think the best version of it was the interview we did about a year ago with heidi st john it was it was a two-parter talking about our stories individually and then how we came together and um yeah Yeah, with that. So with that, I guess that's all we got. So next week, we're going to start a new series. Start
0: a new series. I'm excited. Well, that's all the time we have for today, friends. Thank you so much for listening through to the end. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And share this with your friends and family. Until next time, march on, saints, and be filled with the spirit. Laugh it
1: up, fuzzball.